What up, all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 254 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I spoke with Brooke Hilt, freelance sailor and surf adventurer. And this was an incredible story because Brooke was actually driving through the state of Sinaloa, Mexico, when El Chapo's son was arrested. And through the media attention that you probably saw, you can imagine what it could have been like for someone who's from the States being in Sinaloa when this whole thing went down. And that's why I brought her on to get a real news firsthand experience from somebody who was there, what it was like, what it felt like, what the locals perceived to be happening around them and how they dealt with it and how she dealt with it and giving us just a better understanding of what it's like in those types of situations in a place that for a lot of Western cultures, America specific, perceive as an extremely dangerous no-go zone. That's why I brought her on. But first, do you remember in last week's episode when I mentioned that company Magic Mind, that little productivity shot that it's like a little green juice that you take in the morning to help your energy levels and productivity throughout the day? Did you take advantage of that discount, that 50% off the first month subscription with Misfits 20 or that first time buy of 20% off if you use my promo code? I'd love to hear from you if you have tried it and taken it for the last week and what kind of differences it has made in your energy levels and productivity and focus. I know for me, it really stimulated my brain to where I was feeling this warm, tingly sensation all over my brain. And then throughout you know, three quarters of the day, I was feeling very focused, energized, calm, and definitely attributed to the shot. You know, It was a really cool experience and I 100% felt a difference from taking it in the mornings. Now, again, I'm not a coffee drinker and they say you can totally take it with your coffee in the morning. They do say it takes a few more days to start to feel the effects, but as a non-coffee drinker, I felt it immediately. I get a nice, warm, tingly sensation over my brain, a nice little mood and energy boost that lasted for quite a few hours of the day, I would say, at least three quarters of the day. You know, with my warehouse work, it's walking around a lot, lifting a lot of boxes, and I did genuinely feel an overall lift in energy, lift in mood that sustained throughout the day. So again, if you don't remember from last week's episode... Magic Mind reached out and just said, hey, we'd like to let you try our product, and we only are looking for a genuine, organic response to how it made you feel. If you don't like it, you don't have to do anything, but if you do like it, we'd appreciate it if you let your audience know about it. And so they sent me some samples. I tried it, and like I said, I'm not a coffee drinker. Sure enough, instantly felt a difference. I've always been a big green juice guy, loved my organic greens in the morning, but that's just so tedious, and this is a little shot. That tastes good. It's got some agave sweetener in there, 14 other amazingly healthy products that are really big buzzwords these days. You know, they got the cordyceps, they got the matcha green tea, they got the lion's mane, they got some ashwagandha, some other things I can't pronounce or I'd be embarrassed right now because I know I'd miss say it. And 14 of these really powerful herbs that stimulate your brain, help you focus, give you energy, reduce inflammation kind of everything the modern day human beings looking for in one little shot you take in the morning with your coffee. If you're a coffee drinker, it's no worries. And they offer to give you guys a huge discount if you're interested. So if you are, and you haven't already taken advantage of the discount, please listen up. It's misfits 20 type in the promo code and you get 50% off your first month subscription. Or if you just want to try it once, you can type in that same promo code misfits 20 and get 20% off. I thought it was a good deal for everybody. I really enjoy the shot. I think you will too if you want to give it a go. And I'd love to hear from you if you do try it and how it's working for you. So please don't hesitate to reach out. But again, head over to magicmind.co, 
click on whatever package you like, whether it's the monthly subscription or the first time buy, type in the promo code MISFITS20 and give it a go. It's worth it. So yeah, I'm really excited to share this episode with you because again, it's very important for me now living in Mexico for people to get more of a clear picture of what it's like for those people who love Mexico. Tourists, travelers, adventures, and those willing to go see for themselves rather than just trusting what the media is telling you about a place and why you shouldn't go there. Now, a few things to note. Brooke and I did this call over Skype. Brooke is camping on a very remote beach in mainland Mexico. So her audio isn't the best quality, but it is audible. You can understand everything she says. And I hope you'll stick around throughout the whole episode to hear her story and what it was like for her going through this experience and why she continued to drive south after it was over and how she feels about Mexico and surf adventure and just her life in general is so cool. I think you can get a lot out of it. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Brooke Hiltz. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today, I'm joined by Brooke Hiltz, a good friend of mine who is a surfer, freelance sailor, and all-around wild adventurer. And I brought her on today because she also is in Mexico and had some really interesting experiences occur recently that I thought would be cool to bring her on and let her tell her side of the story so the world can get the pulse of what Mexico's really like. Brooke, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jason. And just so the audience knows, the reason the connection is what it is is because Brooke is camped on the beach in mainland Mexico, and we are using technology to the best of our ability to make this a clear conversation, which I think for how rural you are right now in such a rural area, this is a really good connection, Brooke. I think it's a pretty wild thing. It's working. I know. <laughs> it's great. And Brooke, just Technology for the, is crazy. It is crazy, dude. Are you uh, in a hammock right now with a beer, like a stereotypical lazy day where you're camping at? Of course, man. <laughs> Out of the water, made some food, and then, uh, you know, did the dishes, so I was productive. And then, um, yeah, it's kind of that afternoon hammock session time, and cold beer is always nice. This is awesome. Let's set the stage, because I think this is this is definitely the first time that we have done a I've done an interview with somebody camping on the beach in the middle of Mexico. Um, and can you set the stage for the audience about like why, why you're doing this and you don't have to give specifics of where you're at because I know you don't want to divulge that information, but like what a daily routine is like for you right now and for the coming months. Um, yeah. So camped out, um, you know, it's, it's right on the beach, but I'm not actually like directly in the sand. Um, you know, it's a, Pretty much it's a river mouth point break. Um, and right on the river, there's a little field, you know, a bunch of palm trees and stuff. And that's kind of where people do post up. So kind of just off the beach, but I can see it still um, underneath some palm trees. But um, yeah, typical day, I guess, uh, wake up. Um, depending on the swell, I might fish for a little bit. Um, but if it looks super fun, then we pretty much just 
they're served. Um, whether we have coffee first or not, all kind of depends on the conditions. And uh, surf all morning, then come back, pretty much make some food, clean up, hang out, check the surf again. <laughs> um, you know, if it looks fun, which sometimes it, if we're lucky, the winds do stay light all day, but it tends to howl offshore in the in the mornings, and then you kind of get that mid-morning glass off, which is my favorite part of the day. And then, um, yeah, after that, you kind of just, you know, there's a good crew here, and everyone hangs out, and it's funny. People ask me a lot. They're like, what do you, what do you do all day down there? And it's hard to have an answer, but every day I feel like I'm busy. Yes, and I can relate, and I think anybody who has been lucky enough to experience this type of lifestyle can relate as well. And the underlying message of Misfits and Rejects is lifestyle design, and you have designed a really cool life for yourself at such a young age. Tell the audience a little bit about what you do professionally that enables you to do this. Um, yeah, so I've kind of been lucky enough for the past few years um, to kind of string together um, a series of mostly kind of deliveries um, and filling in on certain boats here and there for kind of in like first mate positions, delivery crew. Um, I ran a boat like two years ago, but yeah, I've uh, worked on sailboats and typically help, you know, people move from point A to point B or, um, you know, I'll get hired on by like a private boat and work for a few months and then, Essentially, when I'm working, I get to live on the boat, and then in between jobs, when I'm not, I am kind of free to roam. Um, I don't, you know, I don't have a house. I don't haven't had an address or anything, or been on any kind of lease since 2018. So in between jobs, I go on surf trips, and you know, last as long as the funds last. And then when the money runs low, hopefully, I get that phone call. And um, yeah, like I said, for the past few years, I feel really lucky that it's all kind of been lining up and especially this last year so i've been able to kind of log some some pretty good deliveries and some connections with some good boats that i uh, hope you know to continue and keep working with and when we first met brooke uh, i was i made the mistake of asking if you worked on motorboats <laughs> and you were very clear that you do not ever work on motorboats it's always sailboats because you are a sailor so anybody out there listening right now brooks sails boats around the world for people and delivers them to where they need to go with a crew of other sailors and that was always really intriguing to me because following your instagram you know you'll be at sea for like 18 days what's the longest you've been at sea for um the longest i've ever been at sea is 18 days you know which isn't a crazy long period but um you know it's a chunk for sure yeah and so then you yeah you, you get to your location you get paid and you go back to where you left your car and you either drive it into mexico or you drive it back to your parents house is that kind of how that works um yeah more or less you know it's in between jobs it's not kind of always um in my rig but yeah typically it's you know, deliveries work, you get flown to the boat, um, you know, you come on, you meet the crew, you do the show from, you know, like I said, point A to point B, and then when you get there, yeah, it's fun, you typically, typically all do, you know, celebrate upon making it, of course, and then um, you get paid, and, and you're off and totally free again, so this 
past year I've kind of been more so doing adventures um in the rig and driving and I've really just kind of wanted to get set up posted up drive down here in Mexico um but typically too kind of just fly wherever I think the surf might be good yeah and this brings up topic one that I was really excited to highlight because I've in, met you in various places around America and Mexico multiple times at this point. And you're a solo female traveler. And for a lot of people listening who are based in the States or based in Europe, based in Australia, that idea of driving your car solo into Mexico, deep into Mexico, is a scary thought. Um, what would you say to that? Um. I mean, sure, but I think anything that's kind of unknown can be, like, blanketed with being scary, right? I agree. And so, so you, you do it effortlessly, or is, is there ever fear involved, or is it just the allure of adventure is so exciting to you that you and the experiences that you've had never indicated that this was a dangerous thing to do? Um, well, I think, you know, it's, it's important to note that, sure, it, it can be dangerous. You know, you don't want to be, like, ignorant or naive of that fact but that shouldn't be the the main thing because i mean you know no matter where you are just dangerous places in the state um dangerous places everywhere and i do believe that anything could happen anywhere um and you know i i fell in love with mexico and i love it down here and this is kind of where one of my favorite waves in the world is and you know to get down here you used to drive and you know, people do. They're like, oh, you're going to drive through Mexico. That's so dangerous. And it's like, it can be, sure. But it's also, you know, as long as you're kind of aware and, and smart about things, it's not. <laughs> you know, it's a, there's a, some of the best people I've ever met are down here. Like, you know, totally welcoming and, like, warm and, and bring you in. And it's just, you know, treat you like family. Um, and it's yeah, it's absolutely beautiful, but I mean, sure, you have to be, you know, there's some stipulations. It's like, you know, you, you never drive at night kind of thing, stuff like that. You know, in the, in the States, if I'm kind of cruising and driving, I'll drive for eight, ten hours a day whenever I feel like stopping and then just kind of look for a place wherever's close, right? But, you know, down here, it's just, you got to do things a little differently. I don't, I'm not really going to ever drive more than five or six hours. Um, and then you, you kind of just, have your spot already picked out, you know, where you're going to. Yeah. So those are three great rules. Yeah. You never drive at night. You drive a certain amount of time per day with a destination in mind that you know you can get to. And as long as you're following, you know, those simple rules that are very common sense, you know, it's, it's yeah. pretty smooth sailing. You know, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like joke with people. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, kind of just like, don't be an idiot and you'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And then, sure, you know, things can happen anywhere in the country, in America, anywhere, and people do get unlucky. But you Yeah, know, it's like, you know, it might require a little more planning. I've, you know, I typically do tend to wing things and kind of just go with the flow. But when I am, you know, driving down here, I have a thing set up and planned out a little bit more than I typically would. Uh, one One thing that you had a front row seat for recently, which was – exciting to hear the story about and I, that's another re reason i brought you on to kind of tell a the firsthand experience of somebody who was caught in sinaloha when el chapo's son was captured and you got yeah. to be in the state where that you know the, the government shut down essentially and 
well, why don't you tell the story and, and what happened and how it all unfolded? Um, yeah, so that that was pretty wild. Um, it was a wild time to be exactly where we happened to be. We, um, you know, we crossed the border in Arizona just because um, I like to take coastal roads and kind of hop from fishing town to surfing town and such. And I did have a, I had a friend with me. Um, she was, we were caravanning down and she was behind me falling. So we'd been camping for probably over a week and we had just crossed the border into Sinaloa and it was kind of, you know, time the next spot I figured we were going to stop. I had mapped out and there's a, a nice hotel I had been to before. And I was like, you know what? We've kind of been roughing it for, I don't know, almost two weeks. Like, let's, let's get a nice hotel. You know, go walk to Molly Con, get dinner, do some laundry, have a shower. You know, you're on the road and traveling. Occasionally, it is nice to spend a little extra money. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we were had already planned to be staying um, in this hotel in Sopalabamba, which is like 10 minutes outside of Los Mochis. And we showed up our first night, stayed there, kind of, you know, did everything I just previously mentioned. And uh, the next morning, we were ready to hit the road. Um, in the parking lot, you know, packing up our rigs, and I had someone come up to me and kind of stop and be like, "Hey, you're not trying to leave right now, are you?" And of course, I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> today's the day. We're headed south. You know, we're on our way south of there's kind of where you're first going to start to get into surf spots. Um, so we were pretty excited to get on the road again. But um, they shut that down pretty quickly. And of course, the first time you hear something, I you know, they're like, oh, there's roadblocks and some gnarly stuff going on. And in my head, I was kind of like, well, of course there's roadblocks, right? It's Mexico. It's, <laughs> there's always something going on. But um, I didn't really, like, take that one too seriously. And it's like, okay, I kept packing up. And then it was uh, the second person that kind of came up and told us, like, hey, um, just so you guys know, there's no way you're leaving. The, all the roads are shut down. They're blocked. Um, and even, you know, the hotel we were staying in had a, the parking lot is, uh, it's all gated in. So it's kind of a compound situation. And typically they close the gate and stuff at night, but during the day and mid morning, it's, everything's open. And we didn't even kind of realize when we first walked out that everything was locked and shut, totally closed up. Um, and so, yeah, that's, we figured out in the parking lot. People from the hotel came out, and we started to have a conversation with quite a few other travelers that were in the same spot as us. That, um, yeah, we got the news that El Chapo's son was arrested, and uh, the Sinaloa cartel was protesting, um, which pretty much meant that there was burning of cars, trucks, and businesses, um, protests, and you know, shootouts with the cartel, and um, you know, the the police down here. And it's kind of happening in the epicenters of Los Mochis, uh, Culiacan and Mazatlan. And we happen to be 10 minutes from one of those epicenters. And to, you know, to kind of get to our next place, we had to drive through all three um, of those cities, which the entire state was shut down. To, um, you know, the there was a state address, which was, interesting to try and have to listen to everything in Spanish, you know, and figure out what's actually going on. But yeah, the entire state was on lockdown um, for residents, tourists, 
anyone. Don't leave your house. Don't do anything. And it was on lockdown for, I think, like a day and a half. Everyone was pulled up. You know, schools were closed. Businesses closed. No one went to work. The airports were shut down. So it was a, it was a full-on lockdown. And your situation is essentially you're just in the hotel, 24 hours. You obviously have access to the pool, restaurant, and bar, but you're not leaving the premises. And what, I mean, do you hear things on the outside of the gates? I mean, is it that close to you or was it just you knew it was nearby, but you never heard anything that sounded unsettling? Um, no. So we, we didn't hear any of this going on. Um, it was actually just eerily quiet outside of the, the compound. You know, typically it's, we're in a little coastal town. We're actually right where the ferry comes over from Baja. Um, so it's a, it's a cute, you know, it's a cool little place. And it's normally you hear music in the streets and cars going, people laughing. There's, you know, you're eating tacos in the streets. But um, it was just, it was eerily quiet and everything was shut down. Um, but yeah, we were, we were in a good spot if we were going to be in Sinaloa during that time. You know, it was a total compound, and like you said, yeah, we had, had access to a pool, so we kind of spent the time sitting by the pool drinking margaritas, and we were totally fine. And was there, with the local, like, um, employees of the hotel, was there any indications that they were worried, or was just kind of a normal occurrence in their, their life? Um, You know, it wasn't totally normal, but it wasn't rare either uh like i said we figured out something similar to this happened a few years ago but that was the last time kind of everything was seriously shut down so they weren't they only expressed worry um when people like started trying to leave right so they really wanted you know obviously for a day and a half we no one was allowed to even leave the premise of the hotel you couldn't even walk across the street to the octo which was closed anyway. But so yeah, for the first day and a half, everyone was totally, totally cool. Everything was great. You know, you're locked behind the walls. You're totally safe where you are. You're being taken care of by the people that run and own the hotel. Um, and then once that lockdown did lift, kind of when everything first cleared and there's word like, okay, it's lifted. And, you know, the streets are open. Everything's fine. Um, the people that lived there and worked there were, they were very concerned um, for us leaving. And so, like I said, there was plenty of other, you know, a handful of other travelers that were there as well. We actually, we met some, some good friends, a couple that was in a truck camper and they had just came over actually from, from Baja on the ferry and got to Topo Bombo. And for that like first day and a half, when that ferry landed they actually weren't even letting anyone leave the ferry dock but this couple said oh you know we have a reservation at the hotel which is right next to it so they were able to kind of leave so we were with them and there's a couple other people that got stuck there throughout this as well and you know the first wave of people started to leave and, and yeah there was definitely some concern from the like local residents that maybe people should wait a little bit longer and and we definitely did. You know, I wasn't trying to be a trailblazer after all that. So you waited, what, another day or two before you decided it was time to move on and go south through it all? Yep. Yeah, yeah. We waited. We waited another, like, day and a half. So, yeah, we had one night there. Um, 
before everything happened, and then we were stuck there for two extra nights. So we gave it another day and a half to kind of let everything calm down, let let some smoke clear, literally. Um, you know, some fires burn out. But um, we, yeah, we didn't want to be the first ones to kind of figure it out. So we, we knew some people leaving, and we all exchanged uh, contact info, and the people that went first were going to report back. And so that's kind of how it went. There was like two people that left before we decided it was it was time to go. And what were the reports when they were sending information back? Um, the, the so the first guy that left, he ended up getting stuck on the highway just outside of Kuliakon. There was a lot of traffic. There were still kind of burnt semi trucks and you know blocking toll booths and blocking on and off ramps, which. You know, they were, they were there for days. We, we saw a bunch of those and we drove through. But the first guy that left pretty much reported back, uh, don't leave yet. Um, he had, was, you know, stuck in a roadblock for like six hours outside of Khan And it ended up taking him, you know, double the amount of time it would. And he actually ended up driving way later into the night than he ever wanted to just because he had to get off the highway. And when you say roadblocks, are these like, military-run, police-run roadblocks, or is this local cartel roadblocks? So at this point, it was the roadblocks were just because of the burnt semi-remains. You know, they, they drove them out, and they put them, parked them like perpendicular to the roads and in front of pull booths, and like I said, on and off ramps, so that, you know, once they're set on fire, they're, you can't get around it. Um, and at this point, before they really got to kind of, like, clear things a little bit, they, you know, you get a lot of traffic backed up and that was when there's a lot of uh, federalities and, and stuff kind of having to like direct traffic around this. Um, and that was at least, you know, that was the kind of what, what we went through. The, the first report back where he said, you know, don't go. I don't know too many of those details um, just because I wasn't there and we were only told that we were told. But, but yeah, what we gathered is kind of it was probably a good thing. We did wait another, you know, 24 hours or so. I see. So as you started your drive, you just encountered burnt out vehicles such as cars and semis that were just blocking the road. And then there was local authorities trying to help the traffic around and through different roadblocks. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a a really, a really big um, federal presence kind of, especially at toll booths. And, and yeah, kind of directing traffic. Like I said, there was a lot of a lot of burnt kind of remains of trucks and semis. I see. And so, as you continued south, was there ever a moment where it's like oh, I'm going to turn back, or was it always no? I'm I'm fine. I feel safe. I'm going to continue forward because of the network of people I'm with, and the locals are just so nice as it is. Yeah, um, I think it was more of what's we got to continue forward. Like, let's definitely get out of this state. <laughs> and yeah, you know, I never thought about turning back because although this kind of was a, a pretty big event and, you know, for sure, gnarly, it, it's not a representation of what driving through Mexico is, right? It's just this rare occurrence that is wild that it happened to happen while we were driving through and we happened to be in Sinaloa when all this unfolded, but 
but no, I never thought about turning around. It was like, well, it's, you know, you, you carry on and this isn't expected. It's not like this every day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now you are in your destination, laying in your hammock, surfing every day, enjoying just beach life. And the coming months, I'm assuming are going to be much like the same as you described in the beginning of this episode, where it's just wake up, eat, surf, sleep, and do it all over again. Yeah. Yeah, that's the idea for sure. And that was kind of, again, you know, I was like, well, we have to continue. Um, you know, like I said, I've been to this spot before previously. And um, I just, I fell in love with this wave and the people here and, and seriously, just everything about it. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of my like, well, let's just keep going because got to get to the spot. And then I'm, I'm posting up for a while. Yeah. So if you don't mind sharing with the audience, you are in your 20s. Or 30s? Um, I'm 27, turning 28 in a month or two. So, yeah, late 20s. And you see yourself continuing this type of lifestyle for quite a bit longer? Oh, for sure, as long as I can. <laughs> so this is, this is great. This is exactly, I think, the type of conversation that I like to have with people who have found something they love so much that they can only see themselves living this way for an extended period of time. And when did you know that this is the type of lifestyle that you wanted? Um, well, you know, I, I spent four years, um, kind of at university. I was on an athletic scholarship and those four years, my life was kind of run by other people. I didn't really have a say and I didn't, totally get to do what I wanted um, because at that point I was, you know, I was a student athlete and I was on a scholarship and that kind of ran my life for four years. And so I think when I did graduate, um, I was pretty over just being told what I could, couldn't do when I had to be places that I kind of just set off. Like I'm going to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. Yeah, I can relate as a student athlete who felt that way throughout university and then getting the freedom to go into the world and live it the way I wanted, live my life the way I wanted was a really unique and special feeling. Totally. It's like once once you kind of get out there and realize like, okay, wait a second, you know, the cliche saying like the world is yours. You can, you can make whatever you want out of it. It's it's a really cool, like overwhelming, but a feeling of being alive and you get hooked on it. And then you just, you know, you keep chasing it. And that's, that's pretty much what I've been doing. Like I said, since, um, since 2018 or I graduated in 2017. So yeah, I graduated and took off. How does your family feel about this? You're originally from North Carolina, correct? And are they pretty supportive of this? Do they miss you? Do they hope um, and expect I'm you to come home? Originally, Originally from Virginia Beach, um, Virginia, but you know, of course, at first, I think the first like two years, I took off and was just traveling, being a surf bum and trying to sail. Um, they, of course, I think thought it was a phase, right? Like, oh, okay, early twenties, she's just doing her thing, she'll she'll stop soon, and then you know, get a real job and all that. But I think as time progressed and I not only kept like doing the same thing but really kind of 
like diving into it full on, they they totally started. They just accept it now and they expect it for sure. Um, and you know that it helps that I do. You know, I the the jobs I do get on these boats are they're they're professional and you know they're well paying and I it's cool. I still I'm, I'm still learning a lot and in a way you know kind of advancing in a career if you would even call it that. But yeah, as far as now is they're they're pretty used to me being like okay, well I just finished that delivery and I'm gonna drive my rig down to my favorite wave in Mexico. You know they're. At this point, they just say, okay, because there's not much else they can say because they know, they know I'm going to do it. Have they ever came and joined you for any of your adventures or met you, any of the places that you've, you frequent? Um, not really. You know, they've, my parents have came and visited me. I've been occasionally, I'll, I'll be posted up in one place um, for a couple months at a time. Um, like I, I was like two years ago. I was running a boat in Montauk for the summers and my parents did come up and visit me there. So I think if I'm in the space and I have time and a place, they, they have come, but I haven't really met up with anyone outside of the state, but that's also because, you know, like right now I'm camping under some palm trees and kind of seeding Mexico. And I don't know that they would totally love to be camping. Right. Like I, the way it's, I don't have, you know, houses and stuff, like come visit situation. So that definitely makes it a little tough. I think that that's interesting because I've experienced that with my own family and they have come maybe once or twice to the various places that I've been living for long periods of time. And it always was interesting to me because these places have beautiful aspects to them you know, from just the landscape to the culture. And I never could understand why there wasn't a bigger desire to come join me. They didn't have to come rough it. Like we could have gone to nice hotels and stayed for a fraction of the price that, you know, our family trips to Hawaii cost us when I was a kid and just didn't seem to be in their wheelhouse of desire. And I'm wondering what do you think about that with, I mean, cause the same thing with your family, like you could go meet them somewhere in like Mexico city, Guadalajara and have an amazing time at a very, you know, luxurious hotel or something like that for a fraction of the price. And that just doesn't appeal to them. I don't understand. Um, I mean, I get, you know, it does, but again, it, I think everyone is, you know, everyone's got their own lives. Everyone's busy, right? My parents, you know, they're both still working. Um, uh, my, my oldest sister, is married and you know they're raising two beautiful girls and doing an awesome job with their family and pregnant with the third you know and my other sister is an entrepreneur and started her whole business that's rocking and is married with you know to her husband who is also an entrepreneur and also doing great so it's you know everyone I, I think although it doesn't look the same in a way it's, everyone is kind of busy with with what they have going on at that moment yeah, and that's fair. I mean, I'm not trying to knock anybody's, you know, lives or life decisions. It's just always interesting that, um, I mean, families do take vacations, you know, and you happen to be yeah. one of the siblings and children who lives in a really dope place, you know, and granted, right. I mean, and not everyone can afford that. So it's different for everybody, but it just always strikes me because I experience it as well where, you know, like they just never wanted to come and hang out. And maybe that was because of 
their lives were just too busy or they couldn't afford it. But I don't know. I just never understood. Yeah. You know, and it's, I think too, I wish kind of what I do for work. Um, it's hard for me to be able to like really plan dates in the future. Right. Cause at any moment I could get a call that then I'm, you know, I'm flying to wherever next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but you know, I could, I could be better about that. I can always just say no too. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I will say though, one of my sisters did last, last year, like last kind of, yeah, last winter it was, um, I drove cross country to drive down Baja and it was actually pretty awesome. My, my, one of my older sisters ended up hopping in my rig with me and, and we did that drive across the country together for a week. And, and that, that really was a good time. You know, we're, we're so close. I love her to death. Pretty different as far as just, you know, I, I love being outside and being dirty and like roughing it, you know, and all that. Um, and yeah, we, we camped for the majority of it, which we, we had a good time. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, there's a great example. I mean, it sounds like your sister put herself a little bit outside of her comfort zone to come join you for one of your adventures to get a feel for it. And I mean, that's, that's huge. That's awesome. Totally. It was, it was really, it was really cool. And, you know, we had a lot of fun. I think we both, we both learned a lot about each other and I think it was, you know, we, we've talked since and she's like, it, it is easier for me to kind of understand what you are doing now that I've seen it. You know, you would prefer to just be outside rather than a four-star hotel. And I'm like, yeah, I would. That's a beautiful story. Yeah, that's really, I think, clearly understood now by everyone listening, like what it means to you to be a nomadic adventurer. You know, the outdoors obviously draw you into them. Yeah, it's one of those things that's, it's not for everyone um, because it's not it's not all pretty, but um, yeah, I think when when you really love it, it's like takes over. And I think there's a lot of ways, you know, it doesn't have to look like being this nomad or whatever you want to call it. And you know, there's a everyone's different, right? And whatever it is that kind of ignites that feeling for you, I think that's what we should all chase and that's a good thing. It doesn't all look the same for everyone. Yeah. I mean, that's almost where we should end it, but I always like asking it. So I'll ask you, I mean, you're a freelance sailor. You get to sail around the world. You're an adventure, solo adventure. You, tr- you drive over land all over Mexico and America. If someone listening right now wants to take that first step into that type of lifestyle, what would you say to encourage them, inspire them to do that? <laughs> just do it. You know, just start. There's, there's never the perfect time, the perfect plan or anything. You just, you just have to go and you figure it out along the way. Beautifully said, Brooke. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Awesome, Brooke. Thank you so much for your time. What a cool story. I love seeing you do what you love every day, whether it's sailing, surfing, adventuring through Mexico in your rig and just living life to the fullest. It's such an inspiration to me and I have no doubt someone in the audience is really connecting with what you had to say and hopefully starting to think about that first trip, that first sail, that first whatever they want in life. It's coming, folks. You got to take that first step though. Challenge some of those beliefs that you have about yourself, about the world and go see for yourself. But yeah, like I said in the intro, this Magic Mind product is really cool. 
if you're somebody like me who likes the green juice in the morning, who likes that little zing, who likes the focus, that lasting energy to help you through the day, you know, you can still drink your coffee, but adding this into your morning routine does make a difference. Like I said, I noticed it immediately. And then the five days in which I did take it after that first time, it just continued to do what it said it was going to do. All those super healthy things in it, you know, like the matcha, the lion's mane, the ashwagandha, the turmeric, all helping inflammation, give you energy, help you stay focused, just that brain function that we all need throughout the day at work and just dealing with children and our lives. It's really helpful. And this stuff is awesome and very healthy for you. So again, you don't have to give up coffee. Just add it to your morning routine. If it's something that you're interested in trying, I highly recommend you do. And you get a huge discount by using this promotion code, MISFITS20. So like I said, you'll get 50% off your first month's subscription or you'll get 20% off one time buy. And it's pretty cool, man. I think that it's really worth checking out. The details are in the uh, show notes. I will put a link for you to just go straight to their website and have a look, read up on it. I highly recommend you do. And always feel free to reach out and let me know the results that you get from it. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.